Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and I am here to chat with you about video games, gaming, news, speculation, and much more. This week, we'll be talking about E3 being back again for real this time. Promise. Stadia shutting down. The Division 2 players needing to chill out. And much more. A few things before we get into the show. Thank you to the supporter level patrons, PK, Manmade Golf, The Dawn, and Cage Nephilim, as well as a special thanks to producer-level patron, Hassan. If you're interested in supporting the show and my other content, as well as getting some extra perks, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. I have a $1, $5, and $10 tier, and you get some cool stuff, and you know we all kumbaya together. Uh, Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. Uh, On YouTube, please subscribe to this channel, like the video to help it get noticed, and comment down below with your thoughts, your questions for next week, or just to help out the algorithm and say hi. Okay, gaming news, let's get into it. So, uh, E3 is returning uh, but for real this time. So, um, you know, E3 went on for quite a long time. Um, I actually went in 2018 as an Ubisoft star player. Uh, it was normal in 2019. And then, you know, COVID hit. And we've had that super duper fun thing to deal with for years now. Um, and then, so I believe, I'm trying to remember correctly. Uh, I believe in 2020... Uh, they didn't do anything or they did like kind of a loose show in 2021. They had like an E3 week, but it was kind of scattered. And then 2022 E3 didn't do anything. And that's when uh, Summer Games Fest had, you know, they, they've started to pick up their thing. So uh, in 2022, uh, we found out uh, not long ago that not only is E3 um, planning on in 2023, having a real show again, uh, like an in-person show, uh, but they are um, not going to do it themselves. So, uh, of course, I don't have the name of the company in front of me, but the same company that does a bunch of other conferences, I believe, the New York Comic Con, as well as all the PAX shows, is going to be doing E3 from now on. That's probably a good thing, because I've always heard good things about those shows. And I don't think people have a ton of faith in the ESA at this point. Uh, one, they don't like the ESA, who's the people who who, who does E3, who owns it. Um, and they they just, uh, they've put on a show that has been pretty uninspiring for years, even before COVID. Uh, so um, the, the big change uh, that's coming is uh, that the E3 will run from June 13th through the 16th in 2023 it will still be in LA it'll still be at the convention center Um, but the big difference is the 13th and 14th I believe are going to be media days and then the 15th and 16th are going to be public days beyond that they're going to have um, so the way so when I went in 2018 they had um, basically two show floors two big parts of the convention center that both had consumer stuff. Um, if I remember correctly, one of them had like all of the really big stuff. And then the other one was a lot of like the smaller stuff. Um, so like one, I think had like, uh, the Ubisoft thing and mixer at the time, I think Facebook gaming as well. Um, and uh, all of the big stuff and then the other hall i believe still had like a lot of things but it was just a lower key deal so what they're doing now is that one hall is going to be for media for podcasters uh journalists youtubers all of that and my guess is that that hall is probably gonna be more bare bones um and more meant for like devs to meet with people who are going to be covering their games and things like that. And the other hall is going to be for consumers. And so my guess is that's going to be all flashy and, um, 
and all of the, you know, what we, what you tend to expected the last couple of years of the in-person shows. And so, um, I'm excited about this. I, I know a lot of people, um, don't like E3. Um, I, I even admit that I think I like, or I think of the idea of E3. Um, but my whole thing is that as, you know, as irresponsible as the ESA is, uh, the big thing was a couple of years ago, they leaked like all of the journalists, uh, like names, phone numbers, home addresses. They doxed them. Their, their like master list of the people who attended their event got leaked or hacked or whatever. And, um, that was, you know, basically unforgivable. So obviously I understand why people were and are upset about that still. Um, but to me, it's just like, even this year when E3 like straight up had nothing, when they didn't organize anything and it was mostly Jeff Keighley and his summer games fest. And then like people working around that, um, people still called that E3 week. People still called it E3. And that's because it just, E3 has a irreplaceable mark on the industry and in people's heads. And even last year, I know I, I saw some people kind of dogging on the digital E3 last year. I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. And what I like about E3 is that it's just, it's organized. It, it's all together. And you could say the same thing about Summer Games Fest, but like specifically like the Summer Game Fest show this year was two hours long. It could have been 45 minutes. And I like Jeff Keighley. I really appreciate what he's doing with like the, the game awards and everything he does. But his shows tend to feel too long to have a ton of filler, to have a lot of advertisements and stuff, which he has to do to make these things viable. I understand. But he also puts a lot of stuff in there, a lot of a lot of back padding stuff, a lot of uh, you know, it's always weird how, you know, multiple people that come up will be like, thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much for doing this. And it's, it's a, it feels, sometimes it feels a little self-congratulatory. Sometimes it feels a little, and he deserves congratulations for, for putting together this big thing, but sometimes it gets laid on a little thick and, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, and so what Summer Games Fest taught me this year, in my opinion, is that we need E3 and we need it to be good because he needs, uh, he, Jeff, needs competition because I think his shows have been kind of underwhelming. The video game awards are typically very good, but when he's done like the Summer Game Fest and then he's doing, he did like Gamescom, that Gamescom show was awful. It was not good. It was unnecessary. Um... And so I'm excited about E3. Uh, I don't think Jeff has said when Summer Games Fest, which will also be an in-person and digital event next year, what the dates, um, now he knows E3's dates. I think he's confident, but I don't think he's confident enough to really try to go head on head. Um, he, I believe he said June as well. And so by E3 being right in the middle of the month, I suspect he'll either be at the beginning or end. I would think it'd be smart to maybe go to July, but we'll see. I, I, I think that there is probably some deep seated stuff going on there behind the curtain. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. There is always a possibility they will work together in some capacity. I would be surprised. Keeley's been pretty forward about Duncan on E3 a lot and not believing in it coming back. Um, which really came off to me kind of, in a not very good way because I don't think his shows have been good enough for him to be like, well, I'm here now, but, um, but I'm excited. I, I think, uh, them doing this separate media and consumer, uh, wings and the, the complete separate days is, um, is something I've seen people ask for, for years. Um, especially media people, obviously journalists and so on. And so they are trying to do the thing. Um, E3 used to be, the premier place for networking it will at one point it's where if you sold games in your store your physical store you went to e3 to decide what to carry consoles games all of that obviously that's 
the world isn't like that anymore. So they, you know, this will be less for like a retailer thing, but, but definitely more for content creators and things like that, which I think can be viable, especially journalists and things like that. So, uh, I, I think this is a good move. I'm excited about it. Um, this is a goal for me. I would love to go next year. Um, part of why I've been pushing the Patreon more, I've been trying to up the ante up the quality and all of that of the content is to try to get a little steam going and, and maybe have an opportunity to go, um, and do that. I would love to cover it live and get to meet um, people and, and do some reviews and, um, and, and previews and interviews would be the big thing. I would love to do some developer interviews and things like that. So, um, personally, I'm excited about this. I, I think this is great. Um, and, and I, I think it's easy to naysay on it. Um, but I think this will be good for the industry. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, if it's not good, then everyone can dunk on them, which is what they're probably going to do anyways. Uh, so dunking. So there's been lots of dunking on Stadia. So they uh, Google announced today that at the beginning of 2023, Stadia will be shutting down. Uh, this is for a lot of people kind of a long time coming. Um, even myself was pretty positive this experiment wasn't going to last. As someone who's had an Android phone for a really long time at this point. I've never had an Apple. So any smartphone I've ever had has been Android besides my Blackberry. I had a couple Blackberries. Um, if you're young, you don't know what I'm talking about and that depresses me, but, um, it's Google has this weird habit of putting out a product and whether it's good or bad, sometimes it's really, really, really good. They just put it out to pasture because they get bored because they, whatever, I don't know. I don't understand it. Rest in peace, Google Music. Um, to be replaced in, in, in a bad habit they have, I don't think that's what's happening with Stadia, but they have a really bad habit of, of ending apps or services and replacing them with inferior ones. Like I just mentioned Google Music. They cut Google Music, which was this really good app and this really good system, and replaced it with YouTube Music, which is a terrible app and a terrible system. But here we are. So Stadia, um, not surprising, but still a big deal. The weird thing with Stadia was that the hardware is great. The, the actual mechanics of, the, of Stadia are probably the best game streaming uh, you know, mechanicals. The, the technical side is amazing. Um, the problem is, is that their model was weird where you basically had to buy games at full price. There was no like subscription. And, and that was just stuck there. Um, there, there were some exceptions, um, where like with Ubisoft, they do have a, or they, they currently have a deal where you can do a cross play between like Ubisoft PC games and Stadia games. So like the division two, for example, um, you can play on, uh, you can play the division two on PC with people on stadia. Um, but you can't play like Xbox and PlayStation or PlayStation and PC. The only cross play they had was stadia and, um, PC, which, and if you don't know, the reason this is relatively unique is that stadia was Linux based. So for companies for developers to put their games on stadia they would have to do a, a linux port which a lot of studios don't do because there's not enough linux users to justify doing that and so like ubisoft probably invested millions of dollars making their games you know turn doing a linux port or finding a way to do it um i'm sure there was some tricks you know done there um but yeah, now it's over. Um, on the good side, uh, Google's doing the right thing and refunding any purchase anyone has made ever. So since the day they released Stadia to today, if you purchased hardware, you purchased games, you will get 100% refunded for everything, which is cool. That's a good thing. Now, Google, of all companies, can afford it. Uh, I, I, I think that they will make it. They're, they'll, they'll be fine, right? Um, so I don't think they're too charitable because at the end of the day, it's probably a tax write-off. And even if it's not, it's still pennies 
in, in their eyes, but still it's, it's a good move. Um, there has been some pushback. Um, so there's a Red Dead Redemption 2 player, apparently, who has over 6,000 hours uh, on a playthrough on Stadia. And there's no crossplay with Rockstar games. And so when Stadia shuts down, that playthrough is just gone. Um, I can't believe someone's played that much, um, but good for them. Um, and that's going to suck because I am very not confident that they're going to figure out a solution. Um, maybe Rockstar will do something. I doubt it. There's also been, and one of the questions I had for the podcast today was, um, you know, what happens to like Ubisoft games? So like the division two, obviously, you know, some people who, um, listen to this show, that's something close to them. Um, well, luckily, uh, Ubisoft today put out a statement saying, hey, um, you know, they, at least it looks like they're going to try to set something up where people can import their Stadia save files to PC. Now, the thing is, is that if someone was playing on Stadia, I, I imagine people who were playing on Stadia and that was their main avenue, it was because they didn't have a console or because they didn't have a PC especially. So I'm kind of curious to how that's going to work. I guess it is an option, maybe with PCs being a little more affordable uh, as of today. Uh, maybe people can switch over. Um, I don't know. Um, you never like to see this. That There was a bunch of stories about this. Um, that there's like developers who like this week were going to be releasing Stadia exclusive games. Or like in the next month or so. And those people, and like they, like they were Stadia exclusives. Um, and now they basically don't have a platform to release on because it's dead. And I imagine that most of those, it was a time thing, but they probably made that Linux edition first and then they were going to port it to consoles or PC or whatever, Windows. And, um, and that really sucks. I, I saw multiple people, um, multiple devs and studios kind of, uh, lamenting about that. And, and that really sucks. And there's people at Google who this sucks for too. I mean, I know it's so easy to be like, Oh, Google, they're just, you know, giant company, screw them, which is fine, but there are individuals. Okay. Like, like there are people who worked probably insanely hard on stadia and, uh, and, and it is a shame that all that work is, uh, in some capacity gone to waste. So rip stadia. Um, you know, we hardly knew yet. Uh, I think I used it like once to play like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They did like beta testing for stadia. And I think you could play Odyssey through the Chrome browser and it was great. I thought, it, I thought it was really good. I thought it worked really well. And, um, you know, it is what it is. So, so there we go. Another is what it is situation is Saudi Arabia is uh, investing $37 billion with a B as in boy or buzz. Um, they're investing $37 billion into gaming and $13 billion of that is expected to be acquiring a very a large AAA publisher. Uh, so watching Jeff Grubb and some other shows this week, I've been uh, kind of watching the speculation from the more educated people on what that may mean or who that may mean they're buying. The thought is that an EA would be like the price of Activision. It'd be like 60, 70 billion. So it's not EA. Even Ubisoft would probably pull 30 or 40 billion. So it shouldn't be Ubisoft. Um, the main thought is that uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, the, the the investor who's doing this, well, it's Bonesaw. It's their uh, Mohammed bin Salman or whatever his name is. Um, uh, he's the guy who had, you know, a journalist, uh, dismembered in an embassy cause he didn't like what he said about him. Um, you know, not a great figure that you want to associate with your craft. Um, that the investment group that's doing this, uh, already owns a large part of Embracer. So there's some thought that maybe it's Embracer, but Embracer is only expected to be worth like two or 3 billion at the most. And so they don't think that would make sense. Um, and so it's kind of up in the air. Square Enix is a little too big to go for that much. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see. There, there was talk about like Sega or Capcom. Um, we'll have to kind of wait and see. What's going to be really interesting is who whatever publisher they do acquire is what's going to happen with those developer studios and the publisher uh, employer employees because I I understand that a lot of people can kind of you know bear down and grit through working for uh, less than savory owners but that's a pretty rough one and I think we've learned over the years and found that you know game developers especially. Uh, are are pretty uh, conscious forward and you know pretty progressive and stuff like that, and you know these aren't going to be people who are just going to like be unaware of who Bonesaw is and you know the the things you know happening in Saudi Arabia, the things happening out outside of Saudi Arabia, and I think that um, I, I I think that it's going to be an issue uh, whoever they buy, and so I'm really curious morbidly curious about who that's going to be uh, and how quickly we find out about that or not okay skull of bones has been delayed i believe this is the sixth delay so uh, skull and bones is a pirate game being put out by ubisoft it was supposed to come out the same day as god of war ragnarok um, which a lot of people were panning as being a very bold decision. And so this delay isn't that surprising, even just for that reason. Um, probably more so because uh, at least they cite that uh, on feedback they're getting from the community during player test, uh, that there are things that they just want to spend more time on. Um, you know, the, the rumors that I've been hearing and I've heard other people report on is that it's just not good. It's just not an enjoyable game to play. Um, that it, it, it's a game that started off with an idea and then they just kept tacking stuff onto it because they didn't feel like the original idea was enough. Uh, for example, I saw what looked like a pretty close to finish version of this game four years ago at E3. So this seems like a project that had a direction, something went awry and then they're just trying to get it out the door. Um, there's some thought that there may be uh, financial incentives from the Singaporean government uh, where they, they have to release this because the government gave them money to develop it. And um, it, it's it's like a contractual thing and they don't want to give the money back. Go Ubisoft. Um, so we'll see what happens with this. It's one of those things that um, I actually had a really negative interaction with the devs of that game way back four years ago when I asked some questions about stuff uh, that's probably still NDA'd, uh, but I don't know. It, it's just, this just seems like another one of these Ubisoft games that's just being made for some reason and no one knows why and no one asks for it and no one's going to like it, but they're just making it and they're going to poop it out anyways <laughs> because because Ubisoft I don't understand I don't get it that they are a very confusing company to me at this point I don't know what they're doing and I don't think they do either scorn uh, it's this the goopy uh, what the alien uh, the Geiger uh, art styled game uh, that got uh, it's actually been in like uh, early access or, or like preview on PC for a long time. Then Xbox picked it up to make it exclusive to the console and PC, obviously. And it's, uh, it's finally coming out. And it was supposed to come out on October 21st. But in what is a literal miracle or something we don't hear of much, uh, they've actually moved the launch date up of Scorn to October 14th. Um, this isn't a game that's going to be like a system seller I don't think um, it, from what people are describing it as they had a demo come out is it's like mist the old puzzle game uh, with goopy wieners and skeleton things and some killing uh, and some really brutal stuff as well so um, and this is a cool story uh, this isn't probably a game I'm super interested in uh, but it is just cool to see something coming out um, this game has had a long path to coming out at all. And so I think there's people 
um, who are just going to be excited to play something new, I, I want to check it out. It's going to be on Game Pass. So that's like the whole thing of like, well, I wouldn't buy this game, but I'll definitely at least download it and play it for 20 minutes and maybe I'll love it. And so um, it's just for me, I think the notable thing is that something's coming out early and that's crazy. So uh, and then I just had a couple quick little hot takes here. So I played a little bit, um, a little bit. I played a lot more cyberpunk in the last week. And it's really interesting. So I played through it accidentally really quick. Um, my first playthrough only lasted about 20 hours. And um, I really enjoyed it. But what happened was I thought I was like halfway through the story. And so I go to the, the Arasaka headquarters and you go and you start this mission. But it tells you if, if you continue this mission you this is the end this is the final mission and the game ends after this and i remember being like oh my god like i haven't romanced anyone i haven't done like any side missions uh oh okay but the problem for me is that i was in the story i was chugging through the story and really enjoying it and it felt like if i just stopped right there because it was this like it was a pivotal moment and so I, if I just stopped and then went and did a bunch of side stuff, it just wouldn't have felt right. So I went on, I went ahead and I finished it and it was really good. I enjoyed it. I got the worst ending. Um, I, I got like, at, at least in my opinion, the worst ending that you can get. Um, but it was still cool. It was really hard cause I was way under leveled. Um, but it was, it was good and I really enjoyed it. And I immediately started another playthrough because I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, I know the romances and the side content is a big part of the experience. And what's really interesting is, is I am doing that now. I, I got to a part in the story where I'm happy to just sit and let the story wait until I'm ready to finish it. The, the problem is, is that um, playing it a second time, even though all the stuff I'm doing now is new, it's proving to not be all that great. Um, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm romancing the, the Pan Am character and she's that, that interaction when you actually are having interactions, it's really cool. Um, but you know, like, as you know, I'm obsessed with mass effect and stuff. And, and while that game has three games to build stuff and, but each individual mass effect game even seems to have more depth. And that's something I've said a lot about cyberpunk, even before I played it, just from the impressions I got is that cyberpunk is a mile wide and a half inch deep. And, and I really believe that like it has all of these systems and it appears to have all this depth in the world and in the story. But then once you start to dig into it a little bit, you're like, Oh, I have very few options. I have very few like routes that I can really take here. Um, there are changes. Like I did one mission where I infiltrated and I got, and I saved someone in this enemy base and the first time I played that mission, I alerted the base and I had to fight my way out. And then while we're escaping the base in a car, we're having to shoot out the back of the car. Um, and, and then the second, this most, most recent playthrough, I snuck out with the person without alerting anyone. And we just took a, a nice, easy drive away. And so that was a cool difference, but it had no depth. Like It was a difference between shooting my gun and not a little bit it wasn't that great. Like it wasn't like substantial where like in mass effect, if you don't talk to this one person, then, and you know, later on this big thing doesn't happen like where that feels impactful. And in cyberpunk, the things so far just seem kind of like shallow. And so the, the funny thing is, is I've kind of like, I think cyberpunk is good. I, I think it's like a good, like seven. It's like a good seven. Cyberpunk is like a really good seven out of 10 for me. I want to keep playing it. I'm going to finish this playthrough and do my romance and do all that stuff. Um, and, and pick a different ending this time. Um, but it's just not, it's still not, I'm seeing all this praise for it, right? Because that, that anime came out now everyone's playing it and now everyone's pretending like it was never bad. And it was, you know, CDPR lied about the old consoles. They lied about the game in general. Um, I, I understand that it may be tough to like find quotes of them where you can say like, look, they lied here, but the, they really sold cyberpunk to be something it, it wasn't at launch and it still isn't. 
and it's never going to be. Cyberpunk is a very good game, but it's not great, I don't think, not to me. And it's going to have this weird legacy. And, and I kind of am a little annoyed that all this newfound attention seems to be kind of like gaslighting a little bit and being like, and making people think like, oh, it's super good now. And it's like, eh, it's, it's, it's okay now, but I wouldn't say it's super good. It's very okay. And, um, and that's okay. Not every game's a masterpiece. So I just, um, I'm, 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 it's interesting at this point. I want to finish this playthrough, but the more I play cyberpunk, the more I want to play mass effect because even though I've played that story through like 10 times now, <laughs> it's still, there's still stuff I haven't done and there's things I just really enjoy doing. And with this, with, with cyberpunk, I'm already finding like, eh, like, like I, I'm not excited to finish it again. I'm excited to do the stuff I haven't done. But I have no excitement to actually do that final mission again. So it's it's interesting. Um, good game. I think you should try it out, especially if you can get it cheap. But to me, I guess I will still hold that I really believe Cyberpunk is not the revolutionary game it was supposed to be. It's like really pretty Fallout 4, but probably a little more shallow. And that's an insult, unfortunately. So there's that. My last thing here, super hot take. Don't have to agree with me. Um, you know, we've talked about the toxicity towards devs and stuff like that. We will be talking about that more here in a minute. Um, but I just noticed something that kind of annoyed me today. Uh, I know everyone loves Corey Barlog. You should. He seems like a great guy. He makes amazing games. Um, but he did something today. I'm talking, this is Friday that I'm recording this, where he did this thing that really annoys me. And um, I don't mind when devs will like quote tweet or like post a screenshot of like something awful that someone said to them or something, but you, you really, I think if you do that, we need to at least have some thought that this is like a real person. Corey Barlog posted this nasty thing that someone said to, to him and said, you know, this whole spiel that we've seen a hundred times now, you know, toxicity, blah, 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 treat devs better, blah, blah, blah. But then when I looked up the account that he posted this this screenshot from, and it was it was a it was a blatant troll account. All their tweets are trolling people, being nasty, and they have one follower. So this isn't even like it's like one of those like toxic like console fanboys or something who who has like ten thousand followers and has like a reach. And so calling them out is a good thing because they have a reach. They're being toxic. You you should you should call that out, right? But instead, you're just I can find an account on Twitter with one follower that says anything that I want to pat myself on the back for, for pointing out literally anything I can make one and do it. And so like, I totally agree. Treat devs better. You know, consumers should treat devs better. Publishers should treat them better. Everyone should treat devs better. hundred percent. But I think Corey Barlog and, and, and other people who do this really cheapen that argument a lot and really make it like they give like ammunition to people who do the whole like, oh, you're just trying to get sympathy thing because that's what he did, at least in my opinion. He was just taking this useless tweet that had no reach and gave it a ton of reach. And, and, and I understand that, you know, that there's an argument about like whether you should or shouldn't bring attention to this stuff, but that's not what I'm saying. You, you basically just took what is probably a bot, probably isn't even a real person and, and, and use that. And I could do that too. And anyone could. And I just, I don't know. I, I didn't like it and it annoyed me. Maybe I'm in the wrong. Maybe I'm just being a grumpy, butt. maybe I've just had a bad week and you can tell me that down in the comments. Okay, so before we jump into some more stuff here, I do just want to give a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast uh, or any of my other content, you can uh, support uh, the content, myself, 
uh, everything I have going on at patreon.com slash bondiesel. I have a one, five and $10 support tier with its all of its own little perks and stuff. You can check that out at patreon.com slash bondiesel. And you can also help me out over at twitch.tv slash bondiesel by dropping subs bits, or they even have like stickied comments now where you can pay to have your comment posted for like up to like five minutes. I don't know. But if you want to support me and what I do, uh, you can do it those ways. Okay, so let's talk about The Division. So there isn't a lot of news about The Division this week, um, but there is, uh, I think, a discussion worth having. So um, they put out a patch uh, this week, uh, patch uh, was t- 16.1, I believe, or title update 16.1. Um, and it's been a little rough. So the TU-16 brought a bunch of new bugs. A bunch of old bugs still weren't fixed. Um, TU-16.1 uh, has brought more bugs, it seems. Uh, I think it's fixed a few things. But what it also did was it fixed an exploit on the summit. Uh, so there was an exploit that people could use in the summit to basically just farm floor 10. Uh, it's a boss floor and you can just run it over and over again and get tons of experience and, and, and loot as well. And so for, for months I've been seeing people being like, Oh, Oh no, they're going to nerf it. They're going to nerf it. Well, it's not a nerf. It's if it's being exploited, you know, those are two different things. And, um, and they did in this 16.1, they, they fixed an exploit. I'm being very clear about that. And, uh, of course, a bunch of the neck beards and the toxic pieces of poopy uh got real mad and and flailed and threw their fits and um i'm assuming a bunch of creators made videos about it i ignore all those people so um maybe they didn't i i have no idea but i'm willing to bet they did and um it's it's been pretty toxic and um my first thing is is i made a, a there's two incidents that happened so the first one was a bunch of devs got a bunch of nasty stuff sent to them super inappropriate, pointless, you know, makes no sense. You're wasting your time. Um, again, treat devs better thing. And my whole thing is that, um, you know, the best way to, to, to make Ubisoft understand that people are unhappy, the best way, um, to, to be heard in my opinion with a division and probably with a lot of games is stop playing. Just don't play anymore. Don't turn it on. Year four and then year five got approved because the player base was still big. All things considered. Uh, because people were buying microtransactions and they were making money. So if you if you are unhappy, if you don't like the fact, especially the fact that the game is really buggy. I mean, it's a mess. It really is. Full stop the game's in a really rough spot right now. And I'm willing to bet that most devs that you would talk to privately would admit that, yeah, this is a crap show. We got to figure this out. The problem is, is that you can say like, oh man, this is a mess. This is a crap show. This is rough without sending DMS to devs without constantly posting on Reddit or YouTube or wherever and moaning and groaning and being mean you can just be like ah this sucks i'm not playing this right now see ya that's what i'm doing i don't play the game because it's a mess uh i have other stuff to play and and you should too and um and that culminated with uh there's a fella named ngn gaming that's their kind of uh moniker their name on the on the socials and on youtube um who's a fella from uh you know, down under who, um, is like a lore aficionado for the division makes lots of great videos, has a great voice, um, makes these like really good high quality videos about the lore and about what's going on with the division Two. has always stayed away from the drama has always stayed away from even the like dramatic, like the drama topics in the division of PVP and, and all this stuff for the most part, um, has never harmed a fly, right? In contrast, as, as, as much as I feel like I'm one of the more positive people in the community, I'm really not. Like, I understand in the Division community, um, I've poked a lot of beehives. I've, 
you know, gotten people riled up on purpose, like to be straight up, I understand. Now, I always felt like I was going after the people who were being sensational, ridiculous, toxic, all that. And so I was cool with that. Like that was the point. Uh, And it still is to this day, even though most of those people have me blocked. So we don't see each other, which is amazing. But NGN Gaming dared to tweet uh, basically what I said, and for the most part, about, hey, like they fixed an exploit with the summit. You know, they, this wasn't an attack on the players. It was them fixing a thing uh, and, and whatever, which led to, again, a person who has never like sought out like I've gotten threats I've gotten doxxed I've I've had people try to blackmail me I've had all kinds of crazy stuff happen and none of it's been appropriate but I understand why it happened because I was poking the bear a little bit so that was not what NGN gaming did and he got sent like anonymous like death threats and his family did and they were saying like very specific stuff supposedly uh, and and it made it to the point where they just deleted their account and they're gone And so one of the few division creators who I think is worth paying attention to at this point is gone now um, because a bunch of kids, you know, threw a fit and couldn't handle someone. And even if you disagreed with him, like, like maybe you are mad about the exploit being fixed. Uh, That's not his problem. You know, tweet at the division game. If you're mad, you know, don't send death threats to a guy who just likes talking about, the vor like come on so so that happened um people are pretty understandably upset i am i think it's garbage you know the game's a mess the devs are obviously struggling um you know i i don't want to play the game i think the game's in a rough spot right now i'm staying far away from it And, and that's how i'm handling it you know these people who they're obsessed with it or whatever and there's definitely creators out there who are real bad about this because they they aren't creative enough to to make interesting content on their own so they just stir up toxic bullshit and sensationalize and they get their little communities which are still bigger than they should be all stirred up and those are the people sending these messages those creators are the ones doing it um i've had experience with these people it sucks because they're not they're bad people They're bored, little whatever, you know, pathetic little creatures who don't have anything better to do uh, than focus on some game that they don't even seem to like that much. And, um, you know, and then now that's that's where we're at. So, you know, NGN Gaming, if you're out there, if you happen to hear this, I doubt you will. But, you know, stay away if you want to. It's totally understandable. We hope we'll see you back soon. Uh, But. As I've said many, many times, once I stopped hitting that mute button and I started hitting that block button on Twitter, my life got way more uh, nice on here. It got a lot quieter. My numbers went down a whole bunch, and it has been worth it every minute of every day. It's why I'm still doing content, even if it's to basically no one, and I'm okay with that. Okay, Mass Effect. Let's talk about that for a minute. There is a hiring update. I made a video this week talking about that. Um, that, So they only had two positions left or two positions they were still hiring for for Mass Effect. Um, The big one being the environmental director, which is obviously uh, a pretty huge part of what's going to be happening with this next game. And it appears that position has been hired for. Um, I tried to look it up. I tried to see if anyone changed their uh, you know, their, uh, their job profiles or anything. I didn't find anything yet. Uh, but it appears that in some capacity they've filled or they no longer need their environmental director job, um, for the next Mass Effect game, which is really exciting. Um, the one job left is a developmental director. So, um, and what that means as a recap is, uh, I believe that is the eighth position that they, um, have hired for this year. Um, uh, and I believe six of those now have been director positions, uh, including that environmental director and including Mary DeMarley, um, becoming the narrative director. Uh, so now we have this developmental director and in theory, they'll have all their directors lined up, um, which for a game that's probably, uh, in like late pre-production, like prototyping concept story stages is really important because you've got to be able to bring all those people together and see where you're at with the game and a big uh like a a backup to that is just 
uh, a week or two ago, um, uh, the, the Mike Gamble, who's the lead on the game, posted that, you know, he had a really good meeting where all of the directors came together and showed off what they're working on. And so, you know, things are happening. I still think the Mass Effect game is years away, um, but that's okay. Uh, things are happening. And after Andromeda, I think there's a lot of Mass Effect fans that um, are kind of scared about what's going to come, but are happy that maybe at least something's happening. And that's definitely where I stand. Okay, listener questions. Uh, if you have any gaming news stories, topics, or questions you want me to talk about on the podcast, uh, please join the Discord, which there's a link in the description of the podcast, uh, and ask those questions for next week. You can also post it in the YouTube comments if you wish. Uh, the first question today is Neuronix uh, saying, Stadia failure, is it, uh, or was it too early for cloud gaming, or was it Google? I think they, you have to think they came out like the exact same time as xCloud, which is now the cloud streaming for Xbox. Um, and, and obviously the, the biggest difference is that with Xbox, the streaming is a option. With Stadia, it was the only option. It was the only choice. Uh, so like with me, I don't stream my games off of my, uh, on the Xbox, but what I have done is this nifty little feature where on Xbox, if there's a game that I'm interested in playing, but I don't know if I want to spend the time downloading it, maybe it's a really big download, I can use the streaming to play the game for a few minutes and like, oh, okay, I like this, and then download it. It's super nice. In theory, I could use my phone and a controller and play those games on the go. I don't go anywhere, so I don't need that. But um, I, I think the big difference and, and the big reason that we're seeing other streaming platforms do okay is because they're an option and they're not the only choice. Where with Stadia, it was the only choice. And it was Google. It, it's like a both. It's a, it, it's a yes answer for me of yes. Because Google did what they do. They got all hyped. They put out some pretty videos. They put out some pretty hardware uh, they kind of supported it. They made some big announcements the first year and then it just disappeared. And that's the way things go at Google. That's just how they do it. So, um, I'm curious if they'll license out that, if they'll license the tech, uh, or if it'll just get put in a box and stuck in a closet somewhere and, uh, at Google's headquarters, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but I think it was a both thing. I think they were too early. I think they had the wrong uh, way of doing it. I, I think if they tried it in 15 years, it'd probably be a different story, maybe five years, but they just bad timing and they didn't do enough. Uh, the second question, a uh, set of questions here is from master prime. Um, favorite gaming concept art piece. <sighs> that would probably be Man, it's really hard to beat the division. The division one, it's concept art. If you ever look it up, whether it's from the art book or just from stuff that's posted online, like at Art Station, the division has some freaking gorgeous concept art. Um, you'd say the same thing about Cyberpunk. It's got some super cool concept art as well. Um, yeah. I, I think the division would be my answer. That's a super lazy answer. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. I the background um, on, on my computer, even some of the backgrounds, if you're watching the video right now, the background of the podcast is some division concept art and it's just so moody. It's very cool. So, yep, that's my answer. A second question from Master Prime was, can live service games uh, and single player games find a balance? Um, I think they have to, and I think they're being forced to. Um, the thing is, I still think the live service is such a broad genre now that it's like not even a genre. It's more of like a feature. Um, so like, I really think the games that are going to be successful are live service games like apex legends and stuff like that. I just don't think that even as successful as destiny two is, I just, I, I think they have lightning in a bottle and I think there's such a small, window there's such a small niche for and small i mean as in like hundreds of thousands of people but still 
um, that can make that work that I really think it's more games like, like apex and things like that, that can make the live service thing work. And then single player, um, I think they can find a balance, but I think, I think it's separate because I'm just still yet to see a live service game, tell a great story. I know people love Destiny's story. I think it's B movie. I just don't, I think it's so cheesy and lame and, um, maybe I've been gone too long. Maybe I need to dive back in, but I still don't think they tell like a great story and there's no opportunity for choices because of how live service games are. And I just, I don't know. I, I think that they can find a balance, but I think they have to find a balance separately. Okay. Um, I didn't really run any polls this week, so sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll do that next week. I'll throw some up here in the next day or two, um, for content updates. Um, I still have the upcoming giveaway for the Mass Effect, like the almost $300 of Mass Effect merch. Uh, we'll be going up here in like a week uh, on October 7th-ish. Uh, that's going to be like an N7 day for Mass Effect giveaway. So I'm going to run it until N7 day, and uh, and that should be fun. Um, and then uh, just content plans in general. Um, obviously, I've had a bunch of the stuff get in the way uh, recently. Um, I really do plan on trying to stream at least two or three times a week. Um, the podcast obviously will continue. So far, I've been doing okay getting couple of videos out a week. Uh, I plan to continue doing that because I've really enjoyed just doing more like topical videos and not specifically always talking about a certain game or whatever. Um, so that's going to keep happening. So keep an eye out for the giveaway. Keep an eye out for more content. And that's where we're going to wrap this baby up. So uh, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video and comment down below. Even if it's just to say hello, you can find me all over the internet as bond diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch. If you're interested in supporting the show, my other content and getting some perks, check out patreon.com slash bond diesel. That is all I have. So until next time.